Hello and welcome back to Millennial Ag, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valine Likely and Catherine Lotspeech. Listeners, welcome back to this week's episode. Um, it's just Catherine and I this week, which I kind of love when we just do episodes together because we can, you know, right? catch up on life, life events and, and hit some topics. It seems like, I don't know about you, Catherine, but my wor- world is a little crazy right now. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know which way is up or down or round and around. Yeah. You've got crazy stuff going on in your work life. I've got crazy stuff going on in my personal life. Um, just with new babies and you've got new employees and all sorts of stuff. So I think we can give ourselves a little bit of leeway and say that we've got crazy stuff going on. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, it's life. I feel like I always complain about being busy and I'm like, well, you're also in charge of a lot of your schedule and can, can say no, at least in my world, you can't having a little person to actually take care of is a little different story. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to say no to her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You kind of got to feed her and walk her and burp her and all the other mommy stuff that goes along with it. So I can't say no to her, but she is currently saying no to a lot of naps and that's causing a lot of distress in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, children. What I have to look forward to someday. That's right. That's right. They are blessings. But yep. Don't worry, listeners. She's great and we'll keep her. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little mommy rant. (laughs) Well, Catherine, I was thinking for this week's episode, I always find it interesting when you kind of nerd out on um (laughs) your dairy facts and milk quality. And and I don't know if listeners know this about you, but you do coach milk quality as well. And so it always when you're you're preparing for that, it always just amazes me. uh, how, how much goes on on that level. And, and more to say that, you know, the Napoleon dynamite drinking milk that came from a cow that got into the onion patch, isn't too far fetched from the truth, um, really fascinates me. So I was thinking maybe we just kind of, um, discuss some of that, that realm of, of your life, so to say. Yeah, let's talk. I will totally nerd out and talk about milk quality this week. Um, The first thing I will say is that unfortunately, Napoleon Dynamite is now a really, really old reference. And when I bring it up to kids, when I start teaching them every year, they look at me like I'm Napoleon Dynamite and they have no idea what that is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I make them watch the clip every year and they laugh because they know it'll make me happy. So... (laughs) Well, it is one of those movies too, but like, um, you and I kind of grew up watching and we didn't know if we should like it, if we thought it was hilarious or if I should be proud that I'm from Idaho or not. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. Cause that was filmed not too far from where you're from. <laughs> yep. So anyway, most of the time people think that I'm, I'm from Napoleon dynamite land. So anyway, we got a little distracted on that but um so I guess maybe we'll start with the Napoleon Dynamite reference but when what is it that when a cow gets in say an onion patch or they're fed a different ration than what is normal why does the milk change flavor or causes some dis I don't know what the right word is but makes it taste funny 
Yeah. So I just want to start out with saying that milk quality um, is always, besides animal welfare, milk quality is like the number one topmost thing in a dairy producer's mind, making sure that consumers get the same thing every single time, whenever they pick up a gallon of milk, a pint of milk, um, you know, a block of cheese, whatever it is, making sure that they get the exact same um, product that they are expecting. And it's consistent every single time. Um, And so it's worth worth learning about if you're an FFA student and you happen to have the uh, misfortune to be coached by me, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is what I do every spring. I coach the local FFA chapters milk quality team, which is a lot of fun and um, always eye-opening for me too. But to to your question, um, the reason, so um, strong flavors can actually um, be expressed through cow milk. So if your cow eats something like onions, um, that flavor will come through in the milk and that's an off flavor. That's what it's called as an off flavor um, and can definitely um, cause, um, you know, slips in sales or things like that because who wants their milk to taste like onions? So dairy farmers take a lot of precaution um, when formulating their rations that they feed to their cows to make sure that those those off flavors don't show up in um, milk because cows eat a lot of different byproducts. Um, cows eat brewer's grain um, leftover from you know the distilling process. Um, they eat cottonseed. Um, they eat. I I have a friend who dairies in Pennsylvania, um, right next to the Hershey factory, and they actually can incorporate um, Hershey's castoffs into their ration and feed cows healthfully on a diet of Hershey bars. <laughs> So does that milk taste a little sweeter? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it did. Um, But cows are amazing, amazing animals, and they can turn all sorts of things that we can't eat into a safe and wholesome product for for us to nourish our families with. So um, they can eat a lot of different things, but making sure that things like onions or garlic are not in those rations are important so that the consumer um, gets their their ideal glass of milk every single time they pour from the jug. Well, and I think that's, you know, you talk about going to the grocery store and wanting milk to taste like what we think milk should taste like. Um, and I just, I, I even noticed, which makes sense, but I, I sampled manure for my career occasionally, (laughs) and there was, um, some heifers being fed onions, um, because we have, we do have some onion products and in Southern Idaho, And, and you could not only, you know, you can smell the raw product in the feed bin, but you can also, that manure is tainted as well. (laughs) And so it's a like a cow's digestive system and the smells of that, you know, and, and how they can, they can still maybe feed onions in a ration, um, just not to the active milk herd or ones headed to the slaughter plant, you know, it doesn't doesn't affect the meat like it does the milk. Right. Exactly. You know, they can feed it to the heifers. Like you said, they can feed it to the dry cows, the cows that are waiting on calving and won't be um, milked for a few months. Um, so there's definitely still places for those types of, of cast offs to go to, which is really cool. And, um, it's really just amazing the variety of feeds that cows can eat. And like I say, make a safe, wholesome product for us. That's the same every single time. Cows are pretty cool. They are, they're, they're nature's, um, ultimate upcyclers. Yeah. I think that's a great term. Um, so I guess with going back to like the quality of the milk for, for us to know that we're getting the same 
kind of flavor in our milk each time. Is there a process or is there a testing mechanism that makes sure that that those flavors or that palate profile or whatever the scientific term is, um, is consistent or how do you, how is it monitored? Yeah. So milk actually is tested, um, dozens of times between the time that a cow is standing in the milking parlor and the time that it actually gets to a grocery store shelf, which by the way, for fluid milk is only about two days. Um, it's a turnaround time to get milk from cow to you, which I think is really cool as well. It's one of the freshest products you can eat, um, wherever you are, um, is fluid milk in the United States. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it's, it is tested, um, lots of different times, um, for quality, for quality, you know, ensuring that, um, the cows aren't sick. So aren't suffering from mastitis. Those cows are kicked out of the main herd and get sent to a hospital facility, um, where they're milked separately. So that milk does not enter, um, the food chain. Um, and it's tested by the milk truck driver. He has to test and before, so he takes tests and before he can unload that tank of milk at the processor, um, his samples get tested. And if anything's wrong with them, um, that, that milk goes back to the farm and is dumped. Um, and then it's tested many times through processing as well, depending on what it's going to be turned into. And so there are, there are processes as far as like, um, testing for, for off flavors and things like that, um, that happen in the processing plant. I'm not as familiar with those as I am with the quality tests, um, which ensure that, like I say, nothing, you know, no antibiotics get into the milk, um, into the, into milk products. Um, and that there's no, you know, no medicines. Um, there's not sick cows, things like that. Um, milk is one of the purest and most, clean products that you can possibly consume in the United States. Um, and the reason for that is because milk is such a really great, um, growing medium. Everything loves to grow in milk. Bugs love milk, um, because it's such a rich nutrient source. And so, um, knowing that we take great pains to make sure that it is as clean and pure as possible, um, for, for consumers every single time. Well, and I think it's, that's great to, you don't drive home because in this social media error, error, era, era, good Lord, my brain, um, <laughs> that, that we we're reminded of those things. Cause it's so easy. And I don't think milk's come under the spotlight lately, but you, you know, people are always worried about hormones and antibiotics and stuff in there and their food of any sorts. And just being reminded that Hey, we do test three or four times. And if there's anything slightly wrong at all, it gets dumped. And I just, you know, and it's what pains a a dairy farmer more than anything is to dump their milk. Like that's, yeah, that's the worst thing. You're literally watching your livelihood go down the drain the same way as the manure goes. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just a terrible thing to watch. And, you know, any dairyman who has to deal with that, um, feels a profound sense of, of failure. Um, because our goal is to make sure that the cleanest, purest, um, most delicious product gets to, gets to consumers every single day, because, um, you know, it's not in a business's best interest to hurt the people who buy their product. So it's in their best interest to absolutely make sure that the very best product is, is, um, making its way towards 
consumers and, and people who enjoy all the lovely dairy treats that are out there to enjoy. Um, I did want to say too, that a lot of the tests are pass fail. So it's not like there's a certain amount of, you know, antibiotics in milk. It's either there are, or there aren't. And if there are, it is absolutely not making it to consumers. Um, you know, there's always concern about agriculture contributing to antibiotic resistance, you know, in, in the human population. Um, and you and I both know from a milk and meat standpoint that that, um, does not happen because there are withdrawal times and, and those animals, you know, don't go into the production herd or they're released from the production herd and, and gone off to be made well. Um, but, but it's important to note that, that, um, you know, those types of products never, ever make it into the human food chain. Yeah. We have a lot of checks and balances to make sure that that doesn't happen. No. And I think, you know, just being reassured that like the United States food system is one of the safest systems in the entire world. And, and I think we take that most abundant. Absolutely. I think we take that for granted more times than not. Um, and, and the fact that I can swing by the grocery store on my way home and grab whatever, whatever I need, because, oh, I need this little ingredient is something we seriously take for granted, whether it's sugar, whether it's milk, whether it's beef, you know, we can, I can, I can be guaranteed um, that some, that I can at least find what I'm looking for or a good substitute for it. And that's something I don't think we, we understand very much. Um, so, and so going back to your milk quality now, besides (laughs) tasting onions in your milk, (laughs) what else do you typically, you know, teach kids to taste or understand the difference between Yeah. So the milk quality contest for the national FFA organization, um, is a lot of fun and a lot of pain all rolled into one. Um, because you have, so there's, there's checking milk for defective flavors and there's, um, 11 or 12 milk defects, if I remember correctly, and kids have to train their palates to be able to detect those flavors, um, and then identify them. And so there's things, there's obviously garlic and onion, um, there's if milk tastes flat or watery, which would be if, um, you know, water had been added to the milk. Um, there's if milk tastes oxidized, which is when milk has been exposed to light, which is sort of a funny thing because all of our, or most of our uh, milk, especially, you know, um, for families and stuff is packaged in, um, see-through plastic gallon jugs, um, and is exposed to light, um, on the regular and that, that oxidizes the milk. It kind of make it, makes it taste a little bit like pennies. Um, but the American public is mostly used to that. And so they don't realize that that's an off flavor. Only milk snobs like me (laughs) (laughs) have anything bad to say about it. Um, there is, you know, it can taste, um, malty or mealy, you know, if some feed got into the milk, um, there's, there's several other, um, defects that, that trained palates are, are trained to detect and, and discard that milk if it's found to have, um, a defect in it. Um, and then the fun part is tasting of dairy products. So there's, 14 different cheeses that I teach kids how to taste. Um, and they run the gamut from, uh, mozzarella and cheddar all the way to brie and, um, blue cheese. And that's just a lot of fun and having to learn, you know, different characteristics of the cheese, um, where it came from, 
um, how, how it's made, you know, the process it's used to make it, um, and learning about how different, you know, different atmospheres, environments, and bugs, um, each came to define, um, types of cheese from all over the world is really sort of a fun thing to teach. Um, and kids, uh, are usually pretty good sports about it. Everyone tries the blue cheese once and then they all say that they're never going to try it again, but there is nothing better in my opinion than a bacon cheeseburger with some blue cheese on it. <laughs> no, I'd have to agree. I love, I love blue cheese and I love feta and like that. Mm-hmm. The strong that, flavors, the strong twangy flavors that, um, that it offers when you're, so it's easy. So for trying cheeses, it's easy for you to go to the store and, and purchase you know, this array of, of cheeses for them to try and so forth. But for milk, you can't go to the store and buy milk that got into the onion patch. Right. So how do you, <laughs> how do you teach those flavoring? I mean, oxidization oxidization or however you pronounce that, um, is, is pretty easy. You can, buy a clear plastic and then you can buy a fair life, you know, you, that's, mm-hmm. that's fairly easy to compare, but yeah. How do you, how do you train or make, or how do you. Well, this is it? the fun part where I get to be a mad scientist and I buy three or four gallons of milk and then I pour them into um, glass jars that I use for mixing. And I have all the different ingredients to make those, those tainted milks, um, become a reality. And so I'll add, um, garlic or onion powder to one of the quarts. I will add water to one of the quarts. I'll add pennies to one of the quarts, um, to make that oxidized flavor more, more, um, distinct. Um, there's <laughs> rancid is also an off flavor that, um, kids have to learn how to detect. <laughs> and so that one, um, there's a couple different ways to make rancid milk, but the way that I do it is I put it in the blender, um, and blend it for about five minutes. And what that does is it starts breaking up the natural fat globules in the milk and those start to oxidize inside the milk. And that causes a rancid off flavor. Um, and usually, um, if I let it go long enough, kids can usually detect that one simply by smell. (laughs) (laughs) Say, or you could just leave it on the counter. (laughs) Yep. I've done that too. Yep. Definitely done that. Um, so I, yeah, I get to play mad scientist a little bit and mix mix up 12 or 13 different kinds of off flavors. Um, there's one, there's an off flavor called bitter and I use, um, quinine tablets. I don't know if you've ever had a vodka tonic that's made with a tonic water and the key ingredient in that is quinine or quinine. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Um, but use those tablets to make it, um, a bitter, a bitter taste, um, which is really gross. <laughs> I don't like that one at all. Um, yeah, I use molasses to create a malty flavor. Um, and that would be like, if a feed, a feed product got into, got into the milk somehow, um, that would be very difficult to have happen in today's day and age, <laughs> excuse me, with the way that cows are milk these days. Um, but it's still an, an off flavor that, um, they have to learn how to detect. So oh, how fun! So, yeah, it's up to me to, to figure out how to make life difficult for them. <laughs> well, I'm glad I don't have to taste the rancid one anytime soon, but I, oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I do know that taste and I do know the smell of it because I've definitely been that person that's poured it on cereal or tried to pour it in my coffee and 
Uh, yeah. And you're like, oof, this yep. is not good. Yep. The coffee and or the cereal or whatever just gets thrown away and we start over and have black coffee. That <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, well, listeners, um, unless Catherine, you have anything else. Um, I do just want to say listeners, um, I love to nerd out about milk quality and cows and everything that has to do with dairy, but you can walk away with assurance that America's dairy farmers, um, do their utmost every single day to provide you with a safe, clean, pure, enjoyable product. That's the same every time you pick it up. Um, and you can have faith in these, in, in these people. And actually I was talking to my mom before we got on to record this morning or this app this evening, geez. (laughs) And she said that if any listeners have any questions at all and want to talk to a real dairy farmer, she would be more than happy to um, connect with you. So connect with us and you can talk to, I'll connect you with my mom who would be more than happy to walk you through, um, you know, what she does on a daily basis. So, um, Val will tell you where we can be found. And uh, thanks for letting me nerd out this week. Oh yeah. Thanks for nerding out and taking a lot of um, the brain power because my brain after this week and I'm headed on vacation for a couple of days. So my brain is already seeing that go out. So I apologize listeners for being one foot in and one foot out this week. Um, But yeah, if you want to talk to a real, a real dairy farmer or you know, a rancher or any of our guests that we've had on, Catherine and I can put you in touch and people are more than willing to explain how things are, um, are being done and it, and how things are really going on. And there's no stupid question. There's no hard question. There's no naive question or sensitive question. Ask them all. If you've ever wanted to know something, you know, even about, do you clip the cow's toenails or do you? Yes, we do. (laughs) (laughs) things like that that you've always wondered or you know how how far does a cow walk a day or things like that um we can find all those answers for you and we can share them and um and maybe they're not interesting to you but Catherine and I do like to nerd out and we have other people that we can help you nerd out with too if you if you have those questions so thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the millennial ag podcast you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter or directly email us at talktous at millennialag.com. Until next week, we are Millennial Ag. 